Merry Christmas. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now I've got a question. This is, uh, we're in a series. We're going to be wrapping it up on Christmas Eve. By the way, we have four Christmas Eve services, five and seven o'clock, Thursday and Friday night. Thursday and Friday night. Looking forward to it. But we've been in a series called Questions to Improve Your Christmas. And so here is a question for you. What was the worst Christmas gift you've ever received? Think about it. What was the worst Christmas present that you've ever received? Now, as I was researching it, well, actually, I was listening to Christian radio this last week. They were talking about these worst, worst gifts. One was that someone who needed a diet was given a book on dieting. Now, I, I, I used to do some uh, counseling, marital counseling, and I, I, I stopped doing that. And I, I can remember one of our, my uh, clients who uh, had given her spouse uh, how to be a better husband book for Christmas. Didn't think that was a good idea. Or uh, I remember someone uh, receiving a manila, empty manila folder for Christmas. Not much of a gift. Um, and also, I can remember a mother-in-law, one of the worst gifts, mother-in-law giving her two daughter-in-laws. One daughter-in-law was given expensive perfume, and the other daughter-in-law was given the free gift that went with the expensive perfume. <laughs> hmm. Not a good gift, probably. Right? If they're writing about it, you know that it wasn't received well. When we think about gift-giving... We think about generosity, we think about care, we think about compassion, we think about love being involved in the gifts that we are giving, don't we? And I can remember our children and now our grandchildren give us gifts that are full of goodwill and love, but they're not always the best gifts, but the heart is there. And I think the people behind the gifts are what make for the quality of the gift or gifts at Christmas. Don't you? The heart, the care, the compassion. And by the way, yesterday was an awesome day. We, we did our Christmas compassion project and it was so well received. People were in tears, love love was really given, and relationships were built. And 26 children received Christmas that might not have received Christmas due to your generosity in giving. And so the folks that were involved with it, the wrappers and uh, those that shopped and everything that went into that, I think made for a meaningful Christmas because of the character of the people and the love and the compassion, and in a way it was given. So people are actually the gift beyond what they give, aren't they? Aren't people actually the gift? So the question really is not what the worst Christmas present you received, but how can you and I be the real gift beyond what we actually give under the tree. 
How can we be a gift ourselves at Christmas? And I think that we need to go back to that very first Christmas. And if you're joining us online today, I hope that you will turn to this passage in Matthew chapter 2 because it was the wise men who came and brought gifts to Mary and Joseph to honor the birth of Christ. And so if you're watching us online, I just imagine you maybe being by your Christmas tree, maybe with a, a cup of coffee or hot chocolate. And I tell you one of the interesting gifts that I didn't even know this. I'd heard of bath bombs before, but I didn't know there were hot chocolate bombs. That, that it was new to me this year. Somebody gave me a hot chocolate bomb, and I actually heated up the milk in the microwave and dropped the bomb in the, in the milk, and it was really, really good. That's a good gift. So let's, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. But, but as we go there, I want you to think about the wise men a little bit. The wise men weren't even Jewish. They were astrologers, they were astronomers, probably from Persia or what we know today as Babylon. And they were the derided ones, they weren't the accepted people. In fact, we would look at, look at them or they would have looked at them like we look at New Agers today with all the crystals and all the things that were going on and kind of the stargazing, astrological, tarot reading kind of occultish kind of people. That's how we would look at them. But do you know that the book of Daniel really gives us a good view of what Persian magi or wise men would have been like? Because Daniel was actually a leader of them in the book of Daniel. So if you want to find out more about them, read that. But Daniel served a sovereign God, the only God. His Jewish God that we now know as our sovereign God through Jesus Christ. Because we're Gentiles. We were the pagans that were brought in. And you've got to understand something about the wise men. That their gaze was skyward astronomy and stars. But also it was bookward. They would look at the history and the ancient prophecies. And try to determine when the kings were going to be made because they were actually at that time the king makers and so they were in tune with the astronomical astrological as well as the mystic history of the world and prophecies so when we look at Matthew chapter 2 with that in mind we've got to remember that Mary the mother of Jesus probably was the person who actually told Matthew the story of Jesus' birth. So as we look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we've got to look at this from a mother's view. So see what she says, what he says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them from to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Here were the kingmakers that were following a comet, a star, which we know astronomically that occurred at that time through history. In fact, the Roman first century historian named Tacitus said during the reign of Nero that the general belief is that a comet means a change of emperor. So these wise men were following a star expecting an emperor a king, an earthly king, to be born. I find that fascinating. That here were these mystic new agers that were tuned in looking for an earthly king, but they found a heavenly king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And they were the only ones. But we are told in prophecy from the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, Balaam, a prophet of Israel, was hired by Moab to prophesy against Israel as they were coming to the promised land. And here's the prophecy that he prophesied, and it really fits in. And and the Jews would have known this prophecy It starts with him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So they should have been looking for a star. What is fascinating is that the wise men had noticed what no one else in Israel noticed. Have you ever been in a situation where you've noticed something that nobody else noticed? And you're thinking, don't they see that? Doesn't anybody else see that? Don't they hear that? Doesn't anybody else hear that? That was sort of the wise men in the Christmas story. They saw what no one else saw. Herod is also a fascinating character in the New Testament. Herod was a very paranoid person. In fact, he became a Jew 
just so he could rule in Israel. He truly wasn't Jewish by nationality. He wasn't Jewish by belief. He was Jewish by political convenience so he could have power. And so any king, anyone who threatened him, he would do away with. In fact, the, the emperor at that time who appointed Herod to Israel said he would rather be Herod's pig than a family member because Herod had killed both his sons and his wife for fear of them threatening his kingship. Herod schemed to kill this newest rival, Jesus, to his throne, no matter his age or importance. Can you be imagine being threatened by an infant baby politically? I think something that we ought to notice here, folks, and no matter what your political affiliation is, that things aren't always what they seem, and people will do about anything for political power, change religions or adopt religions to gain favor. And so we need to be sensitive, folks, whatever side, whoever side you're on, that politically and power corrupt people. As it was then, so it is now. The wise men follow the star until it seemingly stops over the house where Jesus was. So I just want to want to say to you, if you're biblical and you have a manger scene, there should be no wise men there. Do you get that? Did you hear that? But I'm not going to mess up the family heirloom manger scene by taking the wise men away. The wise men didn't come to the manger. They came to the house. It's right there in Scripture. Jesus was a little older. But can you imagine bowing down in respect to an infant? Now, in all the years I was in youth ministry and I did preschool ministry and children's ministry for 15 years, I never bowed down and worshipped an infant. Now, I love my grandchildren. I, I like Dave. I love them, and I, I kind of adored them, kind of worshipped them, kind of. Kind of got my priorities mixed up. My, my parents actually said, you know, you spoil your grandkids way too much. I'm thinking, okay, that's all right. I'm not threatened by that. I'm going to continue to do that. But I'm not going to worship them. But the wise men came and bowed down before preschoolers, or a preschooler. Isn't that crazy? But they got it. I don't think they got it to the point of realizing that he was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was actually God in the flesh, sovereign over the universe, actually transcending time and space. I don't think they got it that far. But they got it to the point that they worshipped him. And they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And we think that they gave them those gifts and that God would use those gifts to help fund their travel to Egypt to flee Herod's persecution because Herod was a paranoid dictator. But notice what the psalm writer writes in Psalm chapter 72, verses 10 and 11. It said, May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. That was the prophecy that the psalmist wrote. But also notice what Isaiah the prophet says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, in regard to Jesus. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Now, if you have camels at your manger scene, well, actually at the house scene, that'd been all right. So the camels had to be there, right? A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. See, these wise men were praising what would be the gospel, the good news that there was going to be a Savior that would die for the sin of the world, for our sin. Now, what made the wise men different? What were the wise men doing that nobody else did? What set them apart? Did you notice in this passage? What set them apart was this, that the wise men were actually looking. Isn't it fascinating that all the religious leaders of that time who were looking for a Messiah to take over politically, and they knew all the scripture, but they missed the point. They missed it. In fact, even when the entourage came into Jerusalem to see Herod, they didn't even bother to follow the wise men to Bethlehem, to the child. But look, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, as I, I read earlier, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. The wise men were repeatedly seeing while no one else even was looking. Can you imagine? And, and that, to me, says something about maybe us. I'm hoping that we are all looking for the second coming of Christ, that we are listening to the prophecies, that we read Revelation, we read Daniel, and we read Ezekiel, and that second coming of Jesus is real, to us enough that we will be looking and seeing, at least looking and seeing the signs of the time. Have you ever watched a YouTube video where it had have, has two basketball teams, one in white and one in black, and you're told to watch the team, or either white team or the black team, how many passes that they make? Have you seen that? 
And then during the middle of you watching and counting the number of passes, there's a gorilla that walks in, in through the, the two teams. Have you seen that video? It's all about selective attention, and it's a test to see if you see the gorilla or not. I think the wise men actually saw the gorilla and saw Christ coming. While everybody else was kind of doing their thing and missed it, the wise men had zoned in and were looking. And I believe looking and seeing is what separates those who can respond to God from those who don't know to respond to him because then they actually see how God is moving. See, God is working all the time, all around you and in your life. But actually, or I mean, let me ask you this, are you actually looking to see what God is doing? And looking is what enables us to see so we can be a gift at Christmas. Because with all the chaos and all the stuff that's going on, are we seeing what God is doing at this time of the year with those around us and in us and through us? So are we actually looking so we can see what God is up to? Because he is working. And are you taking the time to actually look to see? Because he is working. What would you see if you ever stepped back and looked? Would you see hurting people? Would you see fearful people? Would you see people that are way too busy and overwhelmed? What would you see? What about in those interchanges that occur at the places where you go? Would you see people for who they are and what they are and what they are going through? And how God is working? And how you could be a gift in that moment, at that time. We make a difference in every room we walk in. We make a difference because of Christ in us. And I would hope that we would all see Christ come at Christmas if we were really looking. Because actually looking enables us to see so we can be a gift at Christmas. So in wrapping up, how do we look? How do we look? How do we see like the wise men? First of all, we got to pray to see. Asking God to help us to see beyond all everything else, to see what he is doing. And then we've got to be sensitive and opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. You see, if you're a Christian, you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Spirit of the sovereign God, the creator of the universe, lives inside of you. We need to be sensitive to his promptings and his movings because he's working in you. And then we need to reflect on the patterns that we are seeing. Because some things, if, we're, if you're dense like me, have to happen 
over and over and over again. It's like God hitting me on the top of the head and just saying, hey, wake up. Did you see that? Nope, he missed again. Tap me on the head again. Did you see that? Did you see that pattern? Because God wants to speak into your life. He wants you to see what he is doing, that you would join him in working out his plan and his purpose for your life because he has that for you he wants you to see he wants you to look so that you can be a gift at Christmas to others for those family members for those friends for those co-workers for your neighbors for the gas station attendant or the little restaurant server whoever you come in contact with, making a difference that they could know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? Would you please stand? And This is an opportunity if you're not familiar. And if you're at home watching, we want to invite you too to ask the Lord to help you to see. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what? You're not seeing. You're not having the opportunity to see because the Holy Spirit's not living in you because you've never come to Christ. I don't know what better gift there could be than other than giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas, that you might know Him as Lord and Savior. For us that are out of fellowship with God because of stuff going on, maybe sin in your life, this is a time to repent and make it right with God. That would be a gift to God, but also a gift to yourself. Because he's looking and seeing inside of you and you're not hearing him convict you and, and, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit because you're not living the way he is calling you to live. So this is an opportunity to get right with God this morning. Let's pray. Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for the work that you do. We pray that we would join you in seeing that we might respond in a way that people would come to know you, that we might respond and act in a way that would show your mercy and grace in our relationships and the people that we come in contact with that would be part of your plan and purpose. Father, as we spend this time with family and friends at Christmas, maybe be mindful of those Opportunities. Some of them might be the last opportunities that we have to share in these moments. And Father, I just pray that we would see, like the wise men, that we also would be a wise people that would understand the times and, and respond to those times in the way that would please you and glorify you, that we would worship and kneel down before your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would work in this room with those that are joining us online, that your touch would be felt and and lives would be changed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?